Welcome to an All Saints Conversation. I'm Connie Willems, and with me today is Brock Bingaman, and together we lead the All Saints Training Center. We are going to be having a conversation today about some of the All Saints areas, which are theology, spirituality, and leadership. This is going to be a little bit different of a way to start, so Brock, I'm just going to ask if you would indulge this. You're already switching the format. I'm already we had a discussion beforehand, <laughs> and it goes out that window it over there. It goes out the okay. window. All right. You know, the reason is we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit today, and this is a little bit raw for us to do, but I would love for us just to stop and pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's how we start most of our conversations, so why not let other people in on that? Let's do it. So, Holy Spirit, we today together invite you to be part of this conversation if we're talking about you i don't want to do that without you joining us and bringing your thoughts to us and we say come holy spirit lord and giver of life come holy spirit lord and giver of life would you bring your life into our words Would you bring life-giving thoughts into our minds? Would you bring even the Lordship that says we bring all of our ideas and all of our ways of being underneath your authority? I thank you that as we do that, that you, Holy Spirit, are the one who helps us to gaze, to contemplate the glory of God in the face of Jesus. It is you, Lord, Holy Spirit, who transforms us as we do that. We welcome you. Even in this conversation, help it inspire people to gaze upon, to look upon the glory of God in the face of Jesus and to be transformed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. Thank you that that's your work, Holy Spirit that you love doing that and you love us so much. And where that happens, there's freedom. And it seems a lot to ask for a conversation, Holy Spirit, but would you begin to generate freedom? Um, Freedom from ourselves, freedom from our own thoughts, freedom from our own perspectives, as you bring us into who you are and what you're doing. That passage comes to mind that 2 Corinthians 3 is rich. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 and following is sometimes something that we don't really pay enough attention to, that the Holy Spirit has a a prominent role in that passage. It's the Spirit who enables us to look upon the glory of God. And what is that passage? Refresh me. It's Paul talking about the new covenant. Hmm. And so Paul is saying, Moses did this, and he was radiant with glory, but you have no idea. You're part of the new covenant. The Spirit of God indwells all of us and enables all of us to look upon God. Moses knew God face to face, Mm -hmm. and now all of us, all the saints, have that kind of access and more to gaze upon the glory of God and be transformed. And And it says in that passage, it's one of the early apologetics or reasons for arguing for the divinity of the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. Mm. So powerful passage about the Holy Spirit. So we wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit and even that divinity and Lordship. As you said that, what happened to me was going, I know that 
theologically, I would understand that I'm indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but somehow that seemed really big mm. right then, big yeah. with a capital B, of yes. just saying, that's a little bit more than I think I usually want to think about mm. on an ordinary Tuesday afternoon. I'd like to just go my own little normal, ordinary way. Yeah. But if we're indwelt by and bumping against the Lord and Creator of the universe, who is triune, Father, Son, and Spirit, then whether it's Sunday morning or Tuesday afternoon or groggy, this is the God we're dealing with. And I think we've compartmentalized who the Holy Spirit is. We've restricted our understanding of the Holy Spirit. So I'm already into this is a reason to study theology and to learn with the communion of saints and study church history because they had an expansive view of who the Holy Spirit is. So you said you think we've compartmentalized our view of the Holy Spirit. Compartmentalized how? Either through neglect of the Spirit, so we have a weak, feeble doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, that's God Jr. Or Hmm. you've got the CEO and the CEO assistant, and then you've got whoever this gaseous person is who kind of goes (laughs) out and does the work on the assembly line or something. This is the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. So Mm -hmm. it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We should have a robust doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And we just don't. So it's either restrictive or there's no theology. We just talk about the Holy Spirit and people want to pray in tongues and pray in the Spirit and let's just go for it and wait on God and we don't need theology or preaching. And these are two extremes we want to avoid. We want to have a rich, robust doctrine of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting. I'm listening to that and thinking, okay, on one side we have kind of an experience, like we're just going to go after the experience and the presence. And then I'm picturing on the other side kind of a list of theological truths with scripture references after it. And I'm aware that probably if you asked me, Connie, which one of those are you where would you like locate yourself in that? I would be saying, eh, not either one so much. I probably have both on an average day, unless I'm really kind of really engaged with what God's doing or what's going on. I probably have both a limp experience and a limp theology, hmm. Hmm. which is not a good place to stay. And that could be depressing or it could be exciting. Maybe you're on the threshold of a whole new season of delving into this and learning and listening to what other people have experienced and taught about the Holy Spirit. So it's actually exciting. That's half the half getting there really is discovering, whoa, I'm not where I want to be. So I'm encouraged by that. That's a weird form of encouragement, but okay, we'll we'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Something else we didn't mention, it's kind of a spectrum with those extremes at either end, but there's another place on that spectrum where people try to control the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And there's lots of theologies and that do that, whether you're Protestant, Catholic, or Orthodox. But I've known that. It's, I've been in contexts where our th- theology of the Holy Spirit is so thin and so weak. What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit empowers teaching and preaching. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin and converts people. Yes, (laughs) there's so much 
more to who the Holy Spirit is, what the Spirit does. So I think a limited doctrine of the Holy Spirit um, and this desire at times we're frightened by the things of the Holy Spirit, and so we ignore or we don't develop a doctrine of the Holy Spirit, or we flat out try to control the Spirit. Spirit, yeah. you could do this or this, but definitely not that. Yeah. Now, when you say we, are you speaking of like the big C church or yes. an individual? Both. Okay. Both, for sure. I think that um, it's, it's both. And, and within different traditions, even in a more charismatic tradition, people can try to control the Holy Spirit. Their theology uh, is control-based or the Holy Spirit only does these certain things according to these patterns. And you get in a rut. And I think the Holy Spirit is saying, ah, you've touched on about 2% of who I am, but I am more than just giving the gift of tongues. I am more than healing. I am more. I, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, which is what Paul talks about, is massive. The manifestation of the Spirit of God who created all of this, a universe that's expanding by the moment, I think the Spirit has a lot of activities that we just don't see. So one of the things that's happening at our Lord's Community Church is that we're seeing activities of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I saw a bunch of those take place on Sunday. And as I was watching that, knowing that I've been thinking about the theology of the Holy Spirit, I was in that place of saying, okay, here I am on a Sunday morning. I'm experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit. And in the background is, I think, theology that I'm actually experiencing without knowing how to put words to it. Mm. How would you put words to that conjunction between experience and theology? Theology. Well, we've defined theology, and this is our driving definition for theology in All Saints, is reflection on God in the presence of God. So theology is not reading and memorizing tenets of the faith from a book with yellow pages, but theology is an invitation to interact with God, to reflect on who God is. And we do that individually and we do it collectively. So would it be accurate then to say that the theology of the Holy Spirit would be reflecting on the Holy Spirit in the presence of the Holy Spirit? That's right. In, and indwelt mm. by the Holy Spirit. So Yes. And some people would be thinking at this moment, well, do we really want to focus on the Holy Spirit? I thought the Holy Spirit, the mission of the Holy Spirit is to fix our attention on Jesus. Yes, that's true. But if we're talking about the third person of the Holy Trinity, there is a time for sustained attention to and reflection upon the Holy Spirit. Again, the great doxology. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. So it is right, it is a good thing for the church to reflect on who the Holy Spirit is. And by nature of that, we're entering into the communion of the Holy Spirit, like this icon over here, Rublev's icon of the Holy Trinity, and we're interacting with Jesus. And we love Jesus more, and His character is formed in us. We're uh, interacting with the love of God the Father. So 
I think that if we attend to who the Holy Spirit is, we become more Trinitarian, we become, I think, more true uh, to the historic faith. So you're saying that as I pay attention to the Holy Spirit and His work and His activity in my life, because frankly, apparently I'm doing life with Him 24-7, so Mm. this is paying attention to Emmanuel, God with me, in a very real way, that I'm actually entering into the relationship that he would begin to usher me into with Jesus and with the Father. Yes. And we mentioned this verse previously and in our conversation, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, Paul prays, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. It's what he's praying for the church at, at Corinth. So there's something that we see even in an early text like that. Are, are we Trinitarian people or are we not? So as you talk about a Sunday morning, a truly Trinitarian community, Trinitarian worship, these kinds of things, it's very important. So by Trinitarian, you're meaning a community of the Father and of Jesus and of the Holy Spirit. That's right. All three members of the Trinity. Now we could go down this <laughs> rabbit hole, but Jesus invites us into that community. In John 17, he, he prays that we would be drawn into the love that's between the Father and the Son. And he he talks about the Holy Spirit in that context. You think I'm leaving, but I'm actually sending another helper, the comforter, the spirit of truth. So really John 14 through 17 is all about disciples, Christians being drawn into the very community of the Holy Trinity. It's mind-blowing. What's interesting as you say that, that I'm thinking about what we experienced on Sunday morning. And one of the things I kept noticing again and again was a kind of community that I was seeing enacted, whether I was seeing someone pray for someone else in a way that they ordinarily wouldn't. We had three little girls on Sunday morning who during our music worship portion were praying for a woman in her 40s, which I looked at that and go, okay, that's not, quote, normal, but it's community. And so... Would, it, would I look at that theologically then and say, this is the Holy Spirit generating attention and community and unity among people in the body? Certainly. So I think of a couple of passages that speak to this. One is Acts 2, which is a quote from Joel. The Spirit is poured out on all flesh from the youngest to the oldest. So the Spirit is poured out on those young girls. And we're talking about 8 to 10-year-olds who are moving in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. They're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They're members of the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's powerful to watch. And I just don't think we even ponder that. If, in fact, the Holy Spirit indwells every member among us, what are they doing to contribute on a weekly basis, from the youngest to the oldest. If I were going to think theologically about that, I would say, so my theological belief is that the Spirit is indwelling every member of the body of Christ and contributing something through that person to what he's creating. That's right. 
So then that really would affect when I walk into church on Sunday morning, how I'm looking at the person greeting me at the door because they're carrying something of what God is doing. That's right. And I get the rich place to go and look at this is 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. Paul's giving us that body metaphor. So every person, every part of that body has something to convey, to carry as we come together. There's a manifestation, an expression of the life of God who is the Holy Spirit among us for the common good. It's interesting to think, too, we're talking about coming to the church The truth is we are the church. So even as we're leaving as a collective body, we're going out into the world carrying the presence, the power, the fire of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God. And so what kind of implicate? We're already into the implications Mm -hmm. of theology for business people or for school teachers. or This is something we all carry. So the more we think about it, and converse about it, reflecting on the presence of God together, we carry that, I think, more effectively, more mindfully out in the world. Theology is missional. If you're doing theology, you're reflecting on God, in the presence of God, you are sent out into the world, set up. If you do true theology, you're going to be set on fire. It's going to do something in your mind and heart and in your life. You're getting gasoline dumped on you. On a Sunday as you gather together, you're going to go out and, as Ignatius Loyola said, set the world on fire. That's what Mm. we do. That's what worship is about. And worship is theological. I'm sitting here and I'm trying, I'm putting categories together in my mind. And I'm thinking, I honestly and truthfully do not think of theology and gasoline and fire. Yeah. As belonging, like if that was on some of one a test or something, like one of these things is not like the others. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I would separate theology away from explosion. Yeah. But what you're saying is there's something explosive that happens. Yeah. Is it this conjunction of theology and experience coming together? Yeah. To put it in oversimplified terms, in the West we tend to divide the two. Either you're going to be really theological and intellectual and kind of doctrinal, or you're going to be more experiential. The scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, there's no divide between the two. To reflect on God, which is the essence of theology, is intellectual. You're mindful, you're using your mind, but it's also experiential. You talk about God and it brings you into, it stirs up the things of God. Most certainly. So I think that uh, that's this kind of separation or divorce between the two. And it, that's not biblical. That's not historic Christian faith. The two are together. So if you wanted to look at me and say, okay, here is part of the core of how we bring these two things together. Theology and experiential and even adding the mission to that. Mm-hmm. We can't make this weird... Um, okay, we're going to try to cram them together and just make it fit. You're saying there's a natural fit among all of these. Yeah. How do I bring all those How together? How do you bring them together? Just to throw a yeah. know, small well, question out there. And, and uh, these are, these are big, important questions, but I hope that we see at every turn how practical this stuff is. God is practical. God is pragmatic. So theology should be 
if it's done in the right spirit, it's immensely practical. The idea of being off in an ivory tower and theologizing but not experiencing, that's misleading. I'm going to lay this out there, and you can kick me in the shin if you want, (laughs) Connie, but there is something in the Methodist tradition, which is the Anglican tradition from which it comes, called the quadrilateral. And it comes from, it's, it's for a four-sided object, but it comes out of this ancient city in Italy. They had a four-sided wall built around this city. And okay, so picturing a city picturing with, the city with four, four walls. walls four around walls. It. Okay. Well, the Methodists, based really on looking at the way John Wesley did his theology, said that the Christian faith has a quadrilateral to it. Each wall is critically important, leaning on the other. One is scripture, really the primary, the norming one, the normative one. Scripture, 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 the word of God, the revelation of who God is in, in Christ. Scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And so each of those becomes a source or a guideline or a way for us to protect and to transmit the faith. Scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. I think I understand all of those except the tradition part. When you say, what are you referring to with tradition? Good Protestant response, isn't it? <laughs> isn't because that, though? <laughs> aren't we geared to be we suspicious? We don't do tradition. Yes. Yeah. What comes to mind? I would like to hear as a good evangelical as Protestant. As a good evangelical Protestant, what comes to mind, and this is really sad, is the word dead in front of tradition. Yeah. As if inherently something that's old is dead. Which, as I say that, I recognize, I don't know where that, how that thought got dumped in there, and I recognize the fallacy of that. Mm-hmm. But that's what's in there. You're not alone. So it's one of those words, tradition. Instantly, we're supposed to have a dry mouth, and I'm, you can almost feel the dust. Oh my goodness, you know, the dust just went all over. You're me, yeah. looking <laughs> at an object behind thick glass, like a fossil. Yeah. That's tradition. Yeah. And just looking at it, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with it. It's actually a biblical word. Paul and the whole apostolic tradition talks about things that are handed on. Things were given to him directly from Jesus. We read in Acts 9. He had a revelation of who Jesus is, and then he was taught directly by Jesus, revelation. And then in his fellowship with other believers of the time, but what he learned, he passed on to others. That is tradition. So it's the passing on of what has been received. That's right. Traditio. It's, it's what's given. So the church exists by tradition. The Bible itself. How do we get the New Testament? It's passed down. Jesus taught. He was a, an itinerant preacher. Traveled around. So we have these oral traditions. And thankfully, the disciples and others preserved these oral traditions, and eventually they're written down. That's tradition. We don't have the teaching of Jesus. We don't have the teachings of the Apostle Paul and Peter and the others. We don't have the New Testament without this deep appreciation for an understanding of tradition. So there's actually not a wedge between Scripture and tradition like many of us are taught. Or a wedge between Scripture, tradition, experience. That's right. And reason. And understanding or reason. That's right. We need all of these things. Now, is it true 
that there are traditions of men and women that Paul even talks about, talks about it in the book of Colossians and others. There are bad ideas, <laughs> bad interpretations. Bad, and so, in a sense, those are bad traditions that are passed along, and church history is filled with those. That's why we study the scriptures and why we study church history, to learn the bad things that are handed down. But that doesn't mean that all things handed down are Are therefore negative. inherently bad. That's right. There's wonderful, life-giving, Holy Spirit-given tradition, and then there's bad, weak tradition, and that ends up drying on the vine, and that's the fossil you look at through through the glass. Hopefully we leave it and look at it through the glass and that's don't right. keep pulling it out. That's right. And I think, as I'm listening, I'm realizing, okay, this is where, again, the presence and experience of the Holy Spirit within us pointing at this and saying, here, there's life in it. Mm-hmm. Connie, it's not dead tradition, it's aliveness that I'm bringing to the church and that I'm passing down and that I'm distributing to the church. In a sense, what you're saying right there, think about this. The Holy Spirit, in a sense, is the tradition, is the spirit of the tradition. Jesus says the spirit is the spirit of truth. So in a sense, tradition means that we are linked to one another in our experience of who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit's not dead. I mean, there's no one more fiery, more creative, more transformative than the Holy Spirit to think that actually it is the experience of the Holy Spirit that's coursing through the church throughout history. That's why church history is a study of the work of the Holy Spirit through us, again, individually and collectively. I'm excited about tradition now. Well, I'm listening to it and I'm thinking that there was something that I got to experience on Sunday morning that was part of the life of God that the Holy Spirit has been generating for centuries. That's right. And I got to participate in part of it. That's right. And that brings me to this place of going, wow, that was bigger than I realized. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, quote, an enjoyable time. But to step back and go, "I I was part of the living tree and I was part of a branch of aliveness of that living tree of God's work down through the centuries. That's right. And it landed here in Oklahoma City in January of 2018, and I got to experience it. That's right. And it comes from the Exodus event, through the wandering of the desert, through the tabernacle, through the synagogue, through the early church. I mean, we're part of this mind-blowing continuum and it's, it's, it's amazing, not only historically, but to think what we were doing on Sunday morning, those three young girls praying, the worship that happened, the preaching of the word, the sacraments, all of this. There are people all over the planet who are doing that with us concurrently, sometimes at the very same time, but the believers in China, the believers in Africa, the belie- we're all doing this together. We're experiencing what it means to be the body of Christ mm. together, and we're all connected. We're interconnected through the work of the Holy Spirit and through what's been handed down to us from Jesus himself. It's that aliveness that is kind of running through the veins or the sap in that tree that I was talking about that makes the connection. And then I look up and go, oh, this is a bigger thing than I realized. 
I'm part of something bigger and longer and grander Mm. than I would have thought. We could go on forever, but we can't go on forever. So I would just say that if you're interested in learning more about All Saints, you could visit the website and sign up for our mailing list. You can visit olcc.org slash allsaints. I'm glad you remembered this time because <laughs> I went blank. <laughs> and you can find us there. And we will continue to be able to talk to you. Let me just end with this prayer. I want to pray if you are listening. I want to ask right now for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to be with you, to be with your friends, to be with your family. Amen. Amen.